Welcome everyone to Bible Baptist Church, trying to save by this wonderful bright day, 264, the solid rock. Amen. We'll all stand together and sing as loud as we can, get the blood pumping, try to stay awake. <laughs> Stay standing if you can. 277. Trust and obey.
I guess we got a little tangled in some of the verses. Five verses, a lot to we, keep up with. We, with the we stuff. Sorry, keeps it light, right? Mistakes keep things light. All right. So, just a few announcements. First, continue praying about our building project. That is. God provided a dump truck this week, the use of one to haul the gravel and some additional help, so that is a huge blessing. It's amazing we talk about a need and be praying about it and how God just says, yeah, I got that, I'll take care of that for you too. So um, that has been a blessing. Keep praying about the Jehovah Jireh Foundation, that God will use them to provide some uh, additional funding to help with the building. Um, And then um, this week, so... um, Jeff has made some progress on the drawing, so this week he's going to get together. We'll come down to the property, um, and then he's also got the septic guy coming out to look and see if we can make the uh, stone bed work. So anyways, more progress taking place, more things moving along. That is a blessing. Uh, Men's prayer breakfast this Saturday, 7.30 a.m. So men, if you can be there, um, we'll we'll be here, um, have some breakfast, of course. Called men's prayer breakfast after all. Uh, have some fellowship, some time in prayer, and we'll have a devotional as well. Um, this Friday night, if anybody, uh, I've mentioned it in passing, but I didn't have details, so I didn't get real specific on it. But this Friday night at Churchill Baptist in Augusta, they are assembling Gospel John and Romans. Uh, I don't know, as I say, I don't know who for as far as. Um, it's with Bearing Precious Seeds. Um, in New York, there's a group, they, uh, Brother Sandy, he, he's kind of the lead guy on, they call it a seed line ministry. And basically, Bearing Precious Seeds puts together these John and Romans for church planters, for missionaries, for churches, and uh, they print them and assemble them. Well, when they do hundreds of thousands uh, a year, that's a lot of work and it requires a lot of hands. So what they do is they have um, volunteer churches that organize a John and Roman assembling, I don't want to call it a party, but a group, and they all get together and, and uh, start putting these things together. So Friday night at 5, they're also doing Saturday morning, but we have men's prayer breakfast already planned, um, and then I think they're doing some Sunday afternoon at, their, at Churchill as well, but Saturday night, I told Pastor Wiley, I put it out there. 5 p.m., they are going to have dinner, but it's kind of like eat on the fly while working. Um, They set up multiple stations. There are, uh, I've only done it once years ago, but they have the text. They have the covers. They've got staplers. They've got uh, packers. You've done it a few times. Just all these different. They'll bring the printed blocks of text that have been sewn together, but they're super rough. Bundles, you break them in parts so that you have the new, like the first part and the second part of the book. You have a group of people that will put them together into like a two-part uh, booklet, and then that'll get passed down to the next, the next station where they'll staple it, I believe. With the, they'll put a book, they'll put a cover on it, yeah. and then they'll get stapled together, and then you send it to a cutter, and then the station will cut like stacks of them, and you keep like bundling them by whatever a hundred or fifty, and you put in a box, yeah. and you just keep that going from start to finish people just basically doing just stapling and just putting the covers on just yeah. putting two folds together yeah. and it usually gets like thousands done in an hour yeah so 
So it's like an old-fashioned John Ford assembly line, I guess you'd say. <laughs> John Ford? Henry Ford, there we go. Who wants to smell Lucille Ball? We used to have a guy that came here named John Ford. I guess that's how it <laughs> is. <laughs> no. But anyway, this, uh, you know, they might be putting them together. Uh, last time I was involved in it, they were putting them together for the Philippines. So they sent, you know, thousands of them over to a church planter or missionary in the Philippines. They've done Japan. They've done some for the state of Maine. So Brother Jaron McFarland in, in Paris got a bunch that year. So anyway, they put them together and they could be going overseas. They get loaded in shipping containers and get sent over to help out with these church planters and um, so we have an opportunity to be a part of that, and it is a way to help get the gospel somewhere in the U.S. or somewhere overseas. Uh, find out on Friday. My family's going to be there, and I wanted to put it out there. If anybody wants to come and participate, you're welcome to. Um, I've heard the following weekend South Liberty is doing this, but I haven't officially been invited, so I don't know if it's open or if they're just doing it as a church. But if I find out and it's open, I'll let you know next Sunday. So maybe we have two weekends possibly help out with that but you know it's a good way maybe uh, you're not comfortable at this point giving somebody a gospel track or a John and Romans but this is a way to be a part of putting them together so that others can get them out and it's a way to be involved in, in getting the gospel out uh, in a non-confrontational way for now and prayerfully we grow to the point where we are comfortable handing them out or, or uh, speaking with people about our faith but anyway so that's this Saturday night, 5 p.m. I don't know how late it goes. Uh, probably a couple, few hours. What's that? Friday night. Is that what I said? I'm sorry. Friday night. 5 p.m. There we go. Don't believe my words. Believe what it said on the screen earlier. So, uh, And then May 7th through 10th is our spring revival meeting uh, with Pastor James Wiley. So that's a Sunday through Wednesday. Um, that'll be here in just a uh, couple few weeks now, and uh, should be a good time. So we'll have meals each night um, at, uh, usually we do 6 o'clock, right, 6 p.m., I think. Service is at 7 in the evening, and then Sunday we'll do our typical Sunday where uh, Sunday school, morning service, we will have um, a meal next door, and then we'll have an afternoon service. So all that coming up, and there's more too, stay tuned, but that's what we have right now on the agenda. Am I missing something? Today. Yeah, so, yeah, if you're visiting, after the morning service today, we do have a fellowship meal next door if anybody would like to stay. We do it every Sunday, so, you know, there's always next Sunday, too, but um, everyone's always invited and welcome to stay and be a part and gives us an opportunity to get to know each other better, and we always eat good. It's always good food, so uh, you won't be disappointed about that either. But, uh, all right. Well, that's what I have for announcements. So, ushers, if you would, come on down. Can you pray for the offering, too? Yes, sir. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Uh, please bless the offering, Lord, and please bless the service, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>
stand with me one last time. Turn your hymn books to 167. 167. You know, you sing louder when you stand up. That's kind of the big point of why everybody stand up. You sing a lot louder. Is that a hint? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 167.
been out of Ephesians for a few weeks now, so hopefully we can get back, not forget everything we've talked about in the last several weeks, or a few weeks ago, uh, but so we'll keep going here in this passage, Ephesians 5, our, our text for today is verses 11 through 16, excuse me, but we are going to start in verse 1. For now, read through 16, just because it's been three weeks since we covered the few verses before these, and even longer than that since before that. So just to give us the context, but our passage is verses 11 through 16, so that's what we're really going to cover. But let's go ahead and stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We will read Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 16, and then we'll pray and be seated. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And I know we just uh, read through a large portion of scripture. I pray that it just uh, sets the stage for what it is you have for us this morning. That we see what we've been talking about for several weeks now, dealing with... Uh, really dealing with us being different than we were before we were saved. Different from the world and how they who are not saved live their lives. 
Lord, our lives should reflect our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our lives should be full of all goodness, righteousness, and truth because the Holy Spirit indwells us and is bearing His fruit through our lives. And that's the only way for our works to please You is if they are through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Lord, we cannot, we cannot in our flesh and in our own strength honor You and glorify You the way that You want us to. So I pray, Lord, that as we consider this passage this morning, that You would work in our hearts and our lives, that You'd convict us and challenge us and help us to see how we can better live the life that You've saved us to be, to live. That you, the, be the Christian that You've saved us to be. Lord, we'll thank You and praise You for what You do today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, a few weeks ago, we left off talking about being no longer in darkness, but being children of light. So, we talked about that. Uh, last week, we talked about Abraham being strong in faith. So, that was different. The week before that was Resurrection Sunday. So, we had a message there. The week before that, we had Pastor Wiley with us talking about right division. So, that was the last three weeks. So, it's been, I guess, this is the fourth Sunday since we were in Ephesians. So, just trying to kind of remind us of where we left off. So being children of light. And what we know about being children of light is we shouldn't walk in darkness, right? We should walk in the light. So we're commanded to walk as children of light. Verse 8 of our passage said, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. What should we do then? Well, it tells us, walk as children of light. We should be different. We should walk different. We should live different. And when it says walk, it's not talking about our stride. It's not talking about our how we walk down the street. It's talking about how we live our lives, how we behave, how uh, the Lord should be manifest in our lives and how we live and how we behave and how we communicate and how we do our jobs and all those things. It should be, He should be evident. It should be clear that we're Christians. So we talked about how the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And we discussed how in order for us to really live a life and produce works that fall in that category of goodness, righteousness, and truth, it requires the Holy Spirit to be bearing His fruit through our lives. You know, Isaiah, I think I got it in here, Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So I want to see all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. In our own flesh, and our own strength, and our, through our own efforts, that is the best we can do for good works. But through the work of the Holy Spirit, our good works can be in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Psalm 14, 1 through 3, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So we see, apart from God, we don't and we can't do good in the eyes of God because He sees our sin first. When we are saved and our sins are under the blood, as Elijah and I just sang, 
well then God can see the works that are done through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So how do we maintain how do we maintain our walk as children of light? How do we keep from stumbling into the darkness? Our passage here, the last several weeks in this passage, have told us what, uh, you know, told us some things that we can do, some things we shouldn't do. I believe we get a little bit more of that and also how we can keep from ending up walking in darkness. Verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So the first thing we need to do is avoid having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Verse 7 said, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. That kind of goes along the same lines. Fellowship means companionship. It means association and equal, on equal and friendly terms. We should not be on friendly terms with the unfruitful works of darkness. We shouldn't be in fellowship, in cahoots with them, if you will. Um, deals with association or partnership. We should have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should have fellowship with our church family. We should have fellowship with our spouse and with our children, with our loved ones. But we shouldn't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We can be friends with people who are not saved. We can be friends with them and have a relationship with them. But we should not partake or have fellowship with the works of darkness that they might be involved in. There needs to be a divide there. There needs to be a break there so that we don't get ourselves mixed up. Don't lose your place in Ephesians, but flip back to Psalm chapter number 1 here. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So we should be careful about where our counsel comes from, we should not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Years ago, we had a couple here, and he was dealing with some struggles. And he talked to me, and he talked to some other Christians, and he talked to some coworkers. And I remember him saying, you know, he goes, I've had better counsel from my lost coworkers than I have from most Christians. And I'm like... Well, that's kind of an odd thing to say, you know, or, or an odd thing to think. Uh, and uh, I guess they gave him advice that probably what happened is they gave him advice that he liked better, that sounded better, because hopefully, you know, what I tried to do was give scripture that would say, you know, this is why you shouldn't be doing this, because it's what God's word says, it's what God says, and... Uh, he didn't want to continue. He didn't want to justify, and, and, but for whatever reason. So we need to be careful that we're not counseling with the wrong people and heeding the counsel of the wrong people uh, or walking in the counsel of the wrong people, nor standing in the way of sinners, nor sitting in the seat, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But we need to delight in the law of the Lord. 
as Christians, we need to avoid associating with having a connection to the unfruitful works of darkness. Um, you know, it's hard because it's all around us, isn't it? It's everywhere we go. It's everywhere we turn. Why wouldn't we want to have fellowship with them? Well, we run the risk of damaging our testimony through association and likelihood of us entering into sin increases. We've talked for a few weeks about how we used to be partakers, but we shouldn't be any longer. Don't lose your place in Ephesians, but turn back to Romans 6. Romans chapter number 6. Verse 21. It says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So what fruit was there in those things that now we're ashamed that we had a part in? Those things that we're ashamed that we used to do? Those things that we probably don't like to talk about? Our past, the things that we were involved in in the past. Why don't we want to talk about them? Well, because they bring us shame. We don't really want to admit or share or discuss those things. Because we don't want someone to think less of us than what they might have thought, or than what they do right now. What? You used to do that? Well, I wasn't always a Christian, just like you or the other folks here. Well, I wasn't always living for the Lord, you know, but we don't want to admit that or make that public, so it's uncomfortable, and we don't want to share those things because they cause us shame, so we shouldn't partake in them or have a part in them if, if we don't aren't proud of the past we had when we, when we were doing those same things. So, so what should we do? Did I get that? Yeah, I did. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. We do flip around quite a bit. Hopefully it helps people stay awake. And I know that uh, sometimes it might be difficult because if you don't have a good grasp of where everything is in your Bible. So we do it for a couple of reasons. One, not really because I want it to help people stay awake, but hopefully it does, you know, it keeps us involved in the service a little bit. Uh, but two, so that we do learn our Bibles better, and I try to wait for everybody, and I don't even always notice that some are still turning, but, uh, but that's the reason I've put some up on the board, because we do run a lot of cross-references. I'm trying to help people out and understand that, you know, I don't want you to get frustrated or to get kind of lost in trying to find your place. So I put some up there just to give you a break here and there, but want to still have us working at finding those scriptures and reading them for ourselves out of the Bible. So Galatians 6, verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So instead of sowing to our flesh, we should sow to the Spirit. Uh, you know, I know we've used this illustration a number of times, but it's like that white dog and the black dog. The white dog pictures the Spirit, the black dog pictures the flesh, and whichever dog we feed the most is the one that's going to triumph in the daily battle of whether or not I'm going to live in the flesh or live in the Spirit. Well, if I've been nurturing my, the Spirit... Well, then I'm going to live in the Spirit, but I've been nurturing my flesh. If I've been nurturing my flesh, chances are that's what's going to rule the day in my life. So we want to 
so to the Spirit. Not only do we avoid the unfruitful works of darkness, but we replace them with or add in their stead those things that will sow to the Spirit. So we fill those voids of the things that we remove from our life with better things, righteous things, to help us not put them back. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? If I, if I, uh, when my car runs out of gas, if I don't fill it back up, what happens? It just stays stagnant until I eventually fill it up with more gas. So if I take something that shouldn't be in my life out and I leave it empty, well, that's just dead time now that eventually it's got to be filled up with something. So if I don't put something good there, I'm going to eventually put the same thing right back in its place and end up finding myself in a not-so-good place. Uh, so what do we do about the works of darkness? What can we do? Well, this verse says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We are to reprove them. Well, what does the word reprove mean? John 3, verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So what does light do? Well, I'm going to get ahead of my notes, so hang on a second. So the reason those living in sin hate Christ, the reason they hate Christianity, is because when they're exposed to Christ and Christianity, when they're exposed to the Word of God, what happens? Their works of darkness are made manifest. They are brought into the light. That's what light does. It makes things manifest. It exposes them. And when we have something wrong in our life and it is brought into the light and it's exposed, do we feel very good? doesn't make us feel very good, does it? We're convicted, and we know we're convicted, and it causes us to feel and to be beat up. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's what we see going on in the world today. Evil is being called good, and good is being called evil. Maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, but it's biblical. As we get closer to the time of Christ's return, that's what's going to happen. We're going to see it more and more. Good being called evil, and evil being called good. So we're to make the unfruitful works of darkness known for what they are. We're to bring them into the light and make them visible. And it doesn't always require us to call them out, though we certainly can. But the way we live our lives, the, the godly character that we have, that we demonstrate, the biblical uh, character that we have, the biblical way we strive to live our lives, should bring to light those things that are unbiblical, that are wrong. Well, how do we define this word reprove? Look at verse 13. We're going to skip 12 for just a minute. Verse 13 tells us, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So what is to reprove? It's to make it manifest. It's to expose it for what it is. That's what reproof is. You know the, excuse me, you know second, uh, second, Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I heard this sermon years ago by this 
older preacher. He's in heaven now. I think he preached until he was over 90 years old. And um, he had, was at this conference, and he was a, I don't know, you call him a big wig, or he was well-known. He was kind of a, a popular guest speaker. And uh, he said this young guy got out to preach at the beginning. And the young guy got out to preach, and he was, before the service, he was nervous as all good get out. He was a, the one young guy with these couple few older, experienced, well-known preachers. And he's like, I don't know why they got me preaching. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. And the pastor just said, get out there and just preach what God's put on your heart. And he went out and he read those verses. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And he said, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and in righteousness. He said, doctrine is what's right. The Word of God, God inspired it. He gave it to us to teach us what is right. Reproof is to show us what is wrong. It's to bring what's wrong into the light. It's to make it manifest. Correction is to show us how to fix the things that have been reproved in our life. Show us how to fix those things that are wrong. And instruction in righteousness is to teach us how to keep them right how to not go back into doing those wrong things again. And that is, uh, the pastor says, well, I know you were worried about preaching, but he said, I'm sure glad you said that, because he thought that was, you know, that was a great, simple explanation of what those verses are saying. So, what is to reprove? It is to make manifest the things that are wrong, to bring them into the light, to expose them, so that we don't do those things that we ought not to be doing. All right, so I think I still ended up getting a little ahead of myself, but all right, so we point these things out, make them known so that others stay away from them and avoid them. So that we, you know, even for ourselves, if we aren't reminded, <clears throat> if the light isn't shown on things, sometimes even we can grow calloused or we can grow tolerant of things that we shouldn't be. And we can accept them and, and not see them for what they are. So we need to be shining the light in our lives. Well, God needs to be shining the light in our lives. We need to walk as children of light. And then we need to be around others that do the same thing. Because sometimes being with them might reveal something in me. And me being with them might reveal something in them. You know in Proverbs where it says, iron sharpeneth iron, and so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend? It's one way we can do that. By just being together and making, reproving, whether intentional or unintentional, things in each other's lives that will help us to be better Christians, to be more Christ-like. All right, so. Here we go. So it's not just making them no visible, but it's making them known for what they are. Sin, wrong, unfruitful works of darkness. Verse 12, we're going back to that one. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. That tells you God does not think very highly of those things. Well, what things? Well, let's just go back quickly. The beginning of chapter 5. Uh, let's pick up in verse number 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. It should not ever even one time be able to describe 
or be attached to our testimony. Verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Uh, you know, the Bible gives us a list there of some things, and we could jump around to other scriptures and see some more things, but we won't for today's sake. But it just gives us some things that we should not be partakers of. And then back in verse 12, it says, It's a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. We shouldn't be talking about them in the sense that it is something we just talk about. Now, is it okay to talk about them to break a manifest or reprove them? Sure. But our life shouldn't be consumed with talking about all the things that people do, all the sins and the wicked works that are out there. And it's hard sometimes to not talk about them because it gets frustrating. It's constantly being put in front of our faces. You can't go to the store. Uh, you can't turn on the TV. You can't listen in, uh, I don't know if you listen to the radio or not in these days, but you can't listen to the radio. Uh, you can't do much of anything without having the sins of this world put in our faces. So, we need to be careful to avoid those things. So, Bible says it's a shame to even speak of them. Why? Well, because when we did those things, we saw back in Romans, we don't want to talk about the things we used to do because it brings us shame. So, why do we want to talk about the things that other people are doing that are shameful? So, our life is supposed to be filled. How did I end up there? Our life is supposed to be filled, there we go, with that which is God-honoring and God-pleasing. That should be what our life is consumed with. Colossians 1.11. Now we'll go over to Colossians. Strengthened with all might, <laughs> according to his glorious power unto all patience. Actually, verse 10 is where I want to start in verse 10. Somehow I forgot to add that one in there. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being, uh, no, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power unto all patience, and longsuffering with joyfulness that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. Our life is supposed to be filled. Remember we just said our life is supposed to be filled with that which is God-honoring and God-pleasing. Well, how do we do that? Well, we walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That will please Him. That will honor Him, and that's what He wants us to do. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 12 says that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. He's called us to be a part of the kingdom of God. When He saved us, we were born again. We were born into His family. We were born into the kingdom of God. He's called us to be a part of that kingdom, so we should walk worthy. It says that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. In our own in the book of uh, Ephesians, where we've been, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Well, what's the vocation? He's called us to be the saints of God. He's called us to be a child of God. He's called us to be a Christian. 
He's called us to be the things that we've been reading about and studying. And chapter 4 is where it began teaching us the things that we ought not to do and the things that we ought to do. So it's telling us what he has called us to be, and we ought to walk worthy of that so that he can be pleased and honored and glorified with our lives. Is it an easy thing to do? Nope, because we battle with our flesh every single day. It is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Which one is going to rule the day? Well, so do, your, so do the spirit. Uh, what was that verse we read? It was Romans, right? I'll find it. I just don't know if I can find myself back. Nope, maybe it wasn't Romans. Maybe I can't find it. I thought I had it in my notes. It was Galatians 6, 8, wasn't it? Galatians 6, 8. I guess I'm going to have to memorize it, so next time I want to read it, I can. I won't have to turn there. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You know what the next verse says? And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. One of the reasons we give into our flesh sometimes is because it grows wearisome. We get tired of striving to live the godly Christian life. It can get tiresome, and we think, I just want to give my flesh a little bit. Maybe you think that, maybe you don't. I'm just going to give in a little bit. I'm just going to let my guard down. Maybe walk a line for a little bit uh, and, and look at both sides of the fence. Well, I promise if we do that, we're going to fall onto the wrong side. Because if you sow to your flesh, then we'll reap corruption. So to the Spirit. It's not always easy because of that blasted flesh. But you know, one day that flesh is going to be laid in the ground. And one day it will be resurrected, and then it will be made incorruptible. We won't have to battle with the flesh anymore. But until then, we keep fighting the good fight. Grow not weary in well-doing. Verse 14 says this, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So what's this talking about? I, I, I hemmed and hawed on this one a little bit. Is this talking about, we're talking to a church here, the church at Ephesus. Is this talking about, uh, I jumped ahead, didn't I? Is this talking about uh, Christians or not Christians? Well, notice that word, those two, three words, wherefore he saith. So because of what has just been said, he's going to say this. What did he just say? The light makes manifest. The light makes manifest. So, if there is no light in me, well then, there's a problem. And if the light in someone else exposes the lack of light in me, then there is a problem. So, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. Well, those who have the light in them are not dead, according to Ephesians chapter 2. We've been quickened together with him. So, if we've not been quickened, well, then we need to be saved. It says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. If there is no light, we can have the light. But we have to be saved to do that. So uh, we get that from there. To the Christian, let me say this, maybe spiritually you're sleeping. Maybe not dead, because you're a Christian, but maybe spiritually sleeping. 
Well, what do we do? Well, we need to wake up. We need to get up out of bed spiritually. And sometimes we want to just lie down and rest. Uh, but, you know, when we do that, we are going to find ourselves in trouble. Uh, so we want to wake up spiritually. Romans 13, 11 and 12 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. That's something, isn't it? The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So, the day of our salvation is closer today than it was the day we believed. You know what that means? Christ is coming sooner to today than he was to however many years ago or days ago or weeks ago or months ago it was that you got saved. It is closer. So as it gets closer, we should take it more seriously. Live our lives more faithfully, knowing that every day I'm getting closer to Christ's return. Every day I'm getting closer to meeting my Savior. Once we've received the light of Christ, we are to wear it as an armor and live our lives for Him. What's unique about armor in Bible times is that it was worn on the outside of your clothes. Nowadays, uh, you know, Police officers wear an armored vest, you don't see it because it's under their shirt. I mean, they're usually bulky, so you might see it, but uh, you might not. It depends on how, usually police officers are pretty bulky too. So anyways, uh, so you may or may not see it, but in Bible times, they wore it on the outside of their clothes. That made it visible for everyone. And sometimes, many times, it was used also for identification. You could tell a Roman soldier by his helmet, by his breastplate, by his uniform, but his armor was part of his identifying uniform. And it also served the purpose of protection. So wear the armor of light. It's visible, should be visible. It helps identify us as Christ's child. And it serves the purpose of protecting us. You know, when I used to work in the cell phone store, it was often... I had coworkers that would protect me from people who were cussing or who were talking about things they shouldn't. They'd be like, hey, Nate's over here. Watch your mouth. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't have to say anything. But they just knew. They knew that I didn't want to hear that stuff. They knew that I was a pastor, so they would sometimes, <laughs> sometimes be protective. Uh, they knew I loved my wife. So some of my coworkers, if you know anything was a little wishy-washy, somebody was being kind of inappropriate, they'd make sure that they knew I was a married man and a Christian, and they were like, you know, very protective, which, you know, I didn't mind. I, Erica, Erica didn't like it, but no, I'm just kidding. She was appreciative too. But, uh, I'm thankful that God used that and can protect us in those ways. All right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stop there. We'll pick up verses 15 and 16 next week. I just think we've got enough for today. So what do we need to do? We need to put on the light. I think that is a good place to end for today. We need to wear the armor of light. And the fact that we're a child of the king, the fact that we are Christians, the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells us should be evident. It should be visible. It shouldn't be a secret. And, you know, sometimes we're worried what people might think. 
or how people might respond, how they might treat us. We're worried that it could affect our friendships, our job, our employment, how our managers view us or our coworkers. But don't be ashamed of it. Have I ever been? wouldn't say ashamed, I guess. If I'm not willing to make it known, then that's essentially the same as being ashamed, right? So yeah, I guess I'd have to say at times, in certain groups in the past, I've not wanted to be right up front and open about it. Why? Well, I guess I was worried about how that would affect the situation, that would affect the circumstance. So, uh, I'm not saying we always need to be in your face and offensive about everything. Well, I'm a Christian. We don't need to be boastful about it. We should be humble. We're not Christians because of who we are. We're Christians because of who He is and what He's done for us. I'm not a Christian because I deserved anything or I'm any better than anyone else. I'm a Christian the same way that every other person can become a Christian and every other person who is has become a Christian because I recognize that I was a sinner that I'm not perfect. I saw my need, and I recognized that there is a God in heaven that loves me, that sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to shed His precious, uh, His perfect and precious blood for my sins, and I believed on Him and called on Him to be my Savior. And He washed my sins away. They're gone. And the righteousness of Jesus Christ, His perfect righteousness, has been imputed to my account. When God the Father looks at me, He sees me just as righteous as his own son, Jesus Christ. I don't deserve that because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not righteous. But it's a gift that's been given because of who he is and because I place my faith in him. So what, that, what Ephesians is telling us is that because of that, I ought to be different. I ought to live different. I ought to act different. Not because I'm better, but because I understand who He is, what He's done, and, and what He deserves from my life. We talked in Sunday school about the fact that we are not our own anymore. The Bible says we are bought with a price, therefore ye are not your own. My life belongs to Him. How do I give it to Him? How do I make sure that he's, He is receiving the life that He's paid for? Well, by living the way He wants me to live by obeying His Word and being faithful to Him. Let's go ahead and pray. We'll have a few moments of invitation, and then we'll dismiss for lunch. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for what we've seen from the pages of Your Word. Lord, I pray that You would help us to take these Scriptures to heart, to recognize that none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. I am far from it, Lord but you are perfect. And when you saved me, I was justified. I was declared righteous. And Lord, while I can never and will never attain to that righteousness in this life, I should be doing my very best to yield to you and your spirit, to submit to the word of God and and live a faithful, godly, obedient life to you so that you can and will be honored and pleased and glorified. 
And Father, I pray that you'd help me, help us to do just that. Keep every eye closed and every head bowed. Is there anyone here today that would just say, Pastor Nathan, I can't say for sure that I am a Christian, that I'm on my way to heaven. You talked about how the light makes manifest. And I can't say, maybe you're here and you'd say, I can't say that I have the light in me. But I know I need to and I want to. If you're here today and you'd say, I need to be saved, would you just slip up your hand? How about Christians? You don't have to raise your hand, but between you and God, maybe you'd say, yeah, I, I need to wake up spiritually. My walk with God has not been what it should be. I've not taken these things, these, the unfruitful works of darkness, I've not taken them seriously. But I need to because I don't want to wind up living in or committing the things that I know I'm supposed to be making manifest. I need to put on the armor of light and live a life that will please and honor my Savior. Just while the piano plays, have a couple minutes of Give folks the opportunity to pray, and then I'll close us out in prayer in a couple minutes. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for each one who's been here and been a part of our services today. Uh, be with those who weren't able to be with us. Be with Brother Joe. I just pray that um, he's uh, 
starting to feel a little better that his fall and hitting his head wouldn't result in a any kind of concussion or anything but lord i just pray he'd make a quick recovery and and start feeling better soon so him and rhoda can be back and um, lord i just pray for our church family um, lord help us to grow spiritually help us to live lives that are glorifying and honoring to you and that would please you and lord i just pray you'd help us to be faithful to you i pray you'd work as we prepare and plan our building project and get ready for the slab to be poured in june i just pray that you would bless that and that you continue to uh, move us in the direction that you'd have us to go continue to lead and guide and lord we just pray for your blessing on all of that and your leadership in all of that help us to be wise and exercise discernment in this process. And Lord, I just pray you'd give us a good rest of our day. Be with those who can't stay for lunch. Give them safety. And Lord, I just pray you bless the food to our bodies next door. Bless the fellowship. And Lord, we just thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you dismiss, everyone is invited to lunch next door. I know Rhoda made a big ham. Uh, actually, I don't know how big it is. Whoops. I don't know how big